This is the Eye on Potatoes, brought to you by the National Potato Council. The Eye is the place to tune in for conversations with growers and thought leaders on advocacy, production, and all things potatoes. Now, here's your host, Lane Nordland. Welcome back to more conversations here on the Eye on Potatoes podcast. I'm Lane Nordland, and today's conversation brought to you by our friends at Syngenta. Well, as the nation looks on Washington, D.C. this week, as eight House Republicans joined 208 Democrats to remove Representative Kevin McCarthy from the House Speakership, farmers are asking, how will this impact the progress of the 2023 Farm Bill in the yet-to-be-voted-on USDA and FDA spending bills, among others? When we come back, we will be joined by the National Potato Council CEO, Cam Corals. Syngenta cares about potato producer productivity and offers a wide variety of seed treatment options protecting your investment from the beginning. Syngenta's all-liquid seed treatment Cruiser Max Vibrance Potato offers protection from harmful insect pests including Colorado potato beetle, green peach aphid, and leafhoppers. Additionally, Cruiser Max Vibrance Potato delivers immediate protection against fungal diseases. Contact your local retailer for information on Cruiser Max Vibrance Potato, Cruiser Max Potato Extreme, or Maxim MZ to find out what best fits your farm needs. Turmoil in the nation's capital as the Speaker of the House position has been vacated. A lot of discussion on social media praising the decision, criticizing the decision. That opinion is up to you wherever you stand on that. That's not my place to really give an opinion here today. But the big question many farmers and ranchers are asking is, how does this impact me as a producer? And, of course, we have a farm bill being negotiated and funding for USDA and the Food and Drug Administration. Um, That funding hasn't been approved either. So we are going to be joined today by Cam Quarles, CEO of the National Potato Council, who, of course, has been following the USDA funding uh, bill and, of course, uh, being a part of those farm bill negotiations. But, Cam, uh, truly an unprecedented time out in Washington, D.C., and it just seems that we've said it's been unprecedented uh, before over the last few years. But uh, I guess what is it like out there uh, in terms of what what are people talking about in the Beltway here on this Wednesday morning, the day after uh, the uh, the Speaker of the House uh, position was vacated? Yeah, you're right, Lane. Uh, often we talk about things being unprecedented around here, and it just means they haven't happened for a while or a lot of folks are so new they haven't seen it before. This is legitimately unprecedented. It's never happened in the history of the country. So we've had a speaker removed from office. And I, I think everyone's trying to grapple with what, what, what does that mean for, for the spending bill? We've got a government shutdown that has only been put off. Uh, another uh, shutdown is looming just before Thanksgiving. And then we've, for, for our selfish purposes, we care a lot about a farm bill. The farm bill expired uh, on September 30th. What, what does that mean for getting a new farm bill and just running the, the, the business of running the government? Um, we've got important things like a defense authorization bill to get done, uh, keep the lights on in government. This is, um, th- these are some really important questions. And uh, I think everyone this morning is trying to sort out what the path forward is. 
Well, as you sort that out, obviously the uh, House Republicans are trying to figure out who they will put forward to be Speaker of the House. Uh, and we saw how many ballots it took uh, to uh, get uh, Representative McCarthy uh, confirmed as the uh, now former Speaker of the House. Uh, this will take time. And as a result, these uh, USDA programs and, of course, the Farm Bill negotiations will be stalled in the House. Uh, I guess we could talk about that. But is the Senate going to continue on with business as usual? And then we'll talk about that, the House side of things with the Farm Bill and the funding bills. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say it's necessarily business as usual. Certainly the Senate, entirely separate body. They can they, they can work on uh, their legislative agenda as they see fit. But there's also a recognition it, you, you, know, you have to have a willing partner in the House in order to enact meaningful legislation. And you've got to get the president to sign it. That's the way our, our government works. So um, I, I can't say it's going to have no impact on the Senate, but the Senate can certainly uh, can continue to move forward on their priorities, recognizing if the House goes into effectively hibernation for a period of time, if they can't figure out who's going to be the speaker, how the place is going to run, uh, anything the Senate produces is going to get log jammed up uh, when it gets to the House, uh, get, when it gets sent over to the House. And so focusing on the House there with these funding bills, of course, we have that uh, solution that was uh, made between uh, or the compromise, excuse me, between Democrats and, and the former speaker to continue the running of the government for 45 days. And of course, we have that uh, Thanksgiving Day holiday uh, in which that will run out Uh I guess, uh, what, what are some of the concerns from the nation's potato growers and, and the specialty crop industry when we're looking at uh, programs that are vital for producers to be successful in that short term and in, in, in as we watch that debate over who will be the speaker? Yeah, you know, the, the ugly scenario is uh, we get into a government shutdown. The longest one was 35 days. Uh, you've, got, you've got key folks at the Department of Agriculture at a number of the other agencies that just they're flat out prohibited from going to work uh, and they they can't do the nation's business. Um, so all these programs that we rely upon that are kind of running in the background, um, you know, the, the old the old saying is, you know, you don't think about much about oxygen until you don't have it anymore. A lot of these programs, they're, they're really fundamental to the operations of, of U.S. agriculture. And we kind of take for granted that they're going to be there. They're going to be operating. When you get into a government shutdown scenario, it gets pretty chaotic. A lot of these things go over the side or they fall off in stages. And, you know, the, the longer a shutdown goes, uh, the more painful it becomes. Uh, certainly, you know, these, these federal employees, they're, they're, if, even if you're considered essential, you're not getting paid. And over a period of time, once you get into multiple weeks, they, you know, they don't have the money to, to be going to work when they've got to pay daycare and all these other kinds of things. It just gets to be a, a complete mess lane. So uh, the concern that I think everybody has is this was a bipartisan deal that came to the House floor uh, to keep the lights on just at, at, at temporary spending levels that would get us through the next 45 days. That was a red line that got the speaker removed. What what will be acceptable? Uh, who will be acceptable to the to the Republicans to assume that speaker role? And then what will be expect, acceptable in terms of these spending bills, appropriations bills on an annual basis, 
And of course, when you're considering over a trillion dollar farm bill for the next uh, uh, for the next four years, uh, how is that going to be received by what appears to be a very volatile uh, uh, house? We we simply don't know the answer to either of those questions. I think the message lane for all of agriculture, if you care about getting a farm bill reauthorized, is we have to be out there touting the benefits of these programs that make rural America work. A lot of the agriculture programs within the farm bill are, are basically uh, are a very small part of the overall bill. A lot of the spending is in, in the nutrition program, but it all fits together to serve the, all of the constituent groups of the farm bill. What's going to be acceptable to a very volatile house? How do we get this reauthorized? Um, that, that, I think that's uh, folks are really grappling with that today, and it's a it's a real call to all of these folks who who rely on the bill that you've got to make your voices heard. Now, obviously, uh, uh, it's going to take some time to to even get to the House and Senate versions of the farm bills uh, put together and really shaped up once all of this. Uh, hopefully subsides. But I, I guess, what are some concerns that you may have about some of these vital programs for especially crops like potatoes that uh, could potentially uh, be on the chopping block because of uh, new negotiations possibly? And, and what will the National Potato Council be doing in the, in the, in the, the meantime to advocate for its uh, producer members out in the countryside? Yeah, I mean, so, some of the suggestions that have come out from, and, you know, I, I, I don't, Optimistically, I don't think these a lot of these sort of messaging bills are going to get to the finish line, going to get to the president's desk and actually be, become law. But there's folks who have suggested some incredibly draconian cuts in things like the the um, operations of USDA that keep pests and diseases either out of the United States or knock them down if unfortunately they get into a production area. Um, those are those are relatively small millions of dollar programs that, that head off billions of dollars in negative economic impact. It, it, is, it is idiocy to cut those programs and allow these types of pest and disease threats to overwhelm our agricultural production. Um, you look at things like high risk research that um, you, you need a federal partner in order to support research that will deliver the next uh, varieties of potatoes that may serve uh, some tremendous purposes for consumers, for farmers, for the entire supply chain. But those take five, 10 years to get those done. If that research stops, it, it, it doesn't stop for a weekend. It doesn't stop for a few weeks. You're impacting years worth of, of uh, analysis and all of the benefits that come from it. So, uh, you know, when, when folks talk about slashing those programs, it, you know, they, the overall impact on the federal budget is negligible. The negative impact on, the, on our industry and American agriculture overall is it is enormous. And we, we simply can't, we cooler heads, more thoughtful people have got to get in a room and sort this out. 
Now, Cam, also uh, uh, before uh, any of the activity that occurred this week in Washington uh, 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 played out, uh, the National Potato Council, along with other crop groups and livestock groups, banded together to oppose an amendment to uh, some of these uh, funding projects in terms of anti-checkoff and promotion uh, legislation. Could you maybe expand upon what that was and uh, the collaboration and the education effort that MPC and other groups are putting forward to oppose such, uh, such changes or amendments to uh, some of this legislation? Sure. Yeah, there was uh, an amendment in the in the um, House. Uh, actually, amendments both House and Senate. A uh, House was amendment was actually considered on the on the floor during debate on on agapropes, um, and it effectively said that no taxpayer dollars could be used in the operations of the checkoff programs. Um, that you know that the the clear effort there was to either stop the checkoff programs from operating or undermine their activities. Just, just as a reminder for folks, the checkoff programs are, are ones that have been voted on by, by the industry. The vast majority of the industry thinks that having uh, uh, operations like for us, it's Potatoes USA, um, and you, you obviously have a number of other checkoffs for, for commodities that do research and promotion uh, for these commodities to make us more competitive both domestically and internationally, the, the industries have decided this is a good idea. The industries entirely fund them themselves. And then the checkoff programs are led by a board that is comprised of the industry. So you've got a tremendous amount of grassroots, um, transparent uh, operation oversight of these checkoff programs by the very industries that have decided they want to commit their own funds to making sure they they are they are operating and delivering on the ideals that that folks wanted in in the areas of you know for us it's a heck of a lot of research on how do you generate uh, new new potato varieties. Um, how do you how do you address new concerns that are coming up in the industry? How do you promote when when a, a market is opened overseas? How how do you how do you go into that market and build uh, consumer demand for these tremendous U.S. agricultural products? Checkoffs do the, all of those things on a daily basis. One or more House members thought that they just effectively wanted to shut those checkoff programs down, and they wanted to do it um, based on some machinations associated with alleging that taxpayer dollars were being used uh, inappropriately, and that needed to be cut off. The, as I've said to you on a number of occasions, Lane, there, there are a lot of ideas in Washington. Some of them are good. This one was a terrible one. Uh, the amount of harm that this would have caused to the to the commodities that have put their money behind these checkoff programs is just breathtaking. And we worked with all of the other uh, uh, trade associations that, um, that that represent commodities that have separate checkoffs uh, to beat back that amendment. Our industry would have been incredibly ill served if you weakened the fundamental operations of these of these organizations. Um, and so we, as the entirely separate lobbying arms, uh, stood up and said, no, uh, we got a great House vote. Uh, 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 there was over 
over 300 members came in uh, in opposition to shutting the checkoff programs down. I, I have to tell you, in this environment, Lane, obviously we've we've had a speaker removed. In, in some ways, getting over 300 votes to decide if it's daytime or nighttime in the House is a difficult thing. Uh, and I, I thought we, we, we did a great job and, and got the right vote count in this case. Well, Cam, I know it's a busy day out in Washington, D.C., and there's a lot up in the air. But I guess what's a final message you have to uh, potato growers, but all uh, farmers and ranchers out in the countryside on just the importance of, uh, uh, of the farm bill and, and to keep things uh, moving out in the nation's capital? Yeah, I just I'd say it's a it's a very chaotic time here in Washington, D.C. You know, the the there's a lot of great folks here who want to see the country move forward. Um, You know, there and there are a number of folks here who, you know, they're they're kind of like the old the old adage. um, It it doesn't take much to kick a barn down. It takes a lot to build one. And we we need more barn builders here. Um, There's uh, you know, we've got a lot of folks fundraising off a controversy. Um, that uh, that's ill-serving U.S. agriculture. Uh, we've we've got to get back to business. You've got to have serious people at the table. Uh, a, a lot of these goofball bumper sticker statements that people seem to run an entire campaign on, they, they don't serve the interests of a very complicated uh, and incredibly competitive agricultural environment, both domestically and internationally. We got to get smart people at the table. You got to, you, you have to get to the business of creating new farm bills, new appropriations bills that reflect the realities that we're facing, not just today, but four or five years in the future. Otherwise, you know, you're just capitulating to uh, foreign governments that wish this country and our farmers ill. And uh, we don't want to let that happen. Well, again, Cam Quarles joining us today, CEO of the National Potato Council, sharing some thoughts and work that the National Potato Council is uh, underway with on our nation's uh, capital and uh, also their perspective on the vacated speakership and what needs to be done to uh, get USDA and FDA funding through the uh, finish, uh, across the finish line and, of course, uh, see the uh, I guess we'll call it the 2024 farm bill, most likely. <laughs> um, I'm still holding out hope, Wayne. <laughs> well, again, Cam, thanks for joining us here today and sharing your perspective. Good to see you, Lane. Thank you. Again, thank you, Cam, and thank you to all of our listeners for joining us today on the Eye on Potatoes podcast. I'm Lane Nordblund. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for tuning in to the National Potato Council's Eye on Potatoes podcast with host Lane Nordland. For more information, visit nationalpotatocouncil.org and make sure to subscribe to the podcast today.